Hello, and welcome to The News Cycle. I'm your host, Iris Harshaw. It's Monday, February 3rd. Today. The Davis Joint Unified School District is currently trying to figure out the best way to integrate ethnic studies into Davis schools. Last year, the California State School Board presented draft curriculum that would make ethnic studies a graduation requirement for all California high school students. However, the curriculum received significant public backlash, and the board decided to go back to the drawing board and present a new draft curriculum later this year. But DJUSD is setting out right now to figure out how ethnic studies will fit into our community specifically. Okay, uh, we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the land on which we are gathered for this teaching. For thousands of On Sunday, January 26th, an organization called Creating Inclusive Davis Schools held an event to educate the public about the proposed ethnic studies program in DJUSD. The event was sponsored by the Davis Phoenix Coalition. Davis Mayor Pro Tem Gloria Partida, who is the co-chair of the Davis Phoenix Coalition, read their mission statement. The mission of the Davis Phoenix Coalition is to gather and engage local communities in ongoing efforts to eliminate intolerance for the purpose Those in attendance included members of the Davis School Board and many local educators, who were all applauded when recognized by Partida. <laughs> Melissa Moreno, a professor of ethnic studies, spoke first about what ethnic studies is and what it means to her. And it was actually my, uh, my high school teacher that introduced me to ethnic studies material. And so that is what I feel was part of saving my life and getting me on the journey. After Moreno, Dr. Jan Murray Garcia spoke about the science behind ethnic studies. You recognize self-esteem versus reference group orientation. Those two parts of self-concept, lots of other dimensions of self-concept. Dr. Jan showed a short clip to event attendees of young children being put through racial bias testing. Kids are about seven, eight, nine years old. The Chinese guy. Over and over, they said they liked the Asian man more than the Arab. Looks nicer. Because he looks nicer? Yeah, he does look nicer. And he has a smile. We then showed them pictures of a black man and a white man. What were some comments about the black man? He looks mean. That man was dormant. He looks mean. He looks like But when we asked which man is a criminal, most kids pointed to the black man. And when we asked Later, I spoke one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Jan. Uh, Dr. Jan, welcome to the news cycle. Thank you so much for having me. What are the benefits and impacts on students uh, who take ethnic studies? So there's a lot of research that's been done. Um, I'll just say initially that in terms of the race and social justice class uh, that started in 2007, um, uh, Mr. Williams and I were challenged that if it didn't get 29 students, then the district wouldn't pay for a teacher and 108 signed up that first year, 2007. So right there, I wanna say the impact is to fill a need, clearly. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that was neat. And then we were also warned at that time before the class started that the test scores for US history better not suffer because of this class, which was really insulting because it just assumes if you're not teaching about white people that 
the curriculum somehow is watered down or not rigorous. Mm. That's something we hear at the collegiate level as well. And so it was really interesting when you look at the five years of um, U.S. history test scores after RSJ and compare it to the five years before. Um, the test scores after RSJ are higher. It improves, we know, um, not just here in Davis, but a decade, more than a decade of research, we know it improves academic performance. It raises students' grade point averages. Students end up graduating with a lot more credits. Climate, the um, young people rate as better in places mm -hmm. where there's ethnic studies. Directly related to health, you can measure a difference in the level of empowerment and what we call self-efficacy of students. So that's, um, that's where you, you believe that you can tackle the challenge in front of you. Sometimes um, I believe that things like racism, sexism, homophobia, if you are the target of that, sometimes it, it's hard to figure out if it's gonna be worth all the hard work because um, mm -hmm. you have so many more hurdles than other people what difference is it going to make anyway? You look around and things are so unequal. Self-efficacy says I can do that. Self-efficacy um, is, is a state, of a psychological state that says, I feel like my work is going to be worth the effort. What are the goals of you and your colleagues now in terms of furthering ethnic studies in the district? We would really love to see the district adopt ethnic studies um, as a graduation requirement. So every student at some point in their time in the district, um, right now I think it's conceptualized as a high school class, which in itself is a shame because I think we should go as young as possible, but certainly to the junior high schools. Mm. Um, I just think kids are ready to have those conversations, right, in junior high, and then they can deal with one another and with that information all through high school instead of having it maybe sophomore year, junior year, and only having a little bit to make sense of that information and, and frankly, to change their perspectives, to expand their perspectives. So we're, we're looking to have the district adopt a graduation requirement, which would be a class. And this, the way ethnic studies is conceptualized, it could be a class in history or government or English or um, science. I think the first math class um, in ethnic studies was just uh, started down in Southern California. What does like you you say ethnic studies in all these different subjects as in like an umbrella term what does that mean when it's applied yeah i've been learning a lot so it's a pretty specific term a pretty specific group of concepts um, but each community can uh, adjust it based on what the needs in their community are but there's four or five tenets. And the first one is that you focus on groups that are not traditionally focused on. So the four main ones are 
um, Black or African Americans, Latino Americans, Asian Americans, and Native Americans. Um, the second is um, there's got to, it's not just the content, it's um, there's got to be talk about power and oppression and imperialism and um, the, the real honest history of why we're so racially stratified, um, including government actions that we're still living with, like um, redlining or what happened with the Federal Housing Administration in the 1930s where the suburbs were financed and set aside for white folks. So when we look at problems today, you can't just say this group is like this or this group is like that or here's this group's heroes or, or festivals or traditions. You really do have to look at race relations in this um, nation and what's happening globally. And um, how you teach it is really important. So. Um, it may be for a teacher that there are students in the classroom who've lived a Mexican-American experience who actually know more or have expertise, at least in real life, about, say, what it's like to be um, Mexican-American in Davis, walking alone at night. Some folks just, I think, don't realize how different our lives are from one another. Um, based sometimes on race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. um, so it's that kind of back and forth between teacher and student, kind of a relational, transformational kind of pedagogy or method of teaching rather than an exchange of information, just simply. And then the last one is hopefully, ideally there would be community involvement from the group. I think that young people have to be involved I know on the task force, if you go to the DJUSD website, um, they're taking applications for this task force. And it's gonna, I think it's gonna be really interesting. I think they're gonna educate folks because um, we all come at this with, from different perspectives and also different levels of understanding and curiosity. So, you know, young people have a perspective that just does not come out unless they're there. Mm -hmm. And so I'd really challenge um, folks of all backgrounds to see how they can be involved in this, what's gonna be left um, for their siblings or cousins or um, people they care about that come behind them. Okay, thank you very much for talking to me today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. The second half of the evening was a panel discussion conducted by Emily Henderson, director of Acme Theater Company. I'm just excited to kind of continue this conversation. After a detailed back and forth between the public and the panel, Henderson asked her final question. We have one more closing question for you all. So this is a thought experiment. I want you to imagine the Davis School District with ethnic studies. As you envision this, what is the positive outcome that most excites you? Each of the panel members shared their response. I would be really, really excited about the sort of new professionals and new workers that would come out of a society that prioritizes ethnic studies in school. With ethnic studies, it's just, it would just be a completely different environment. I would feel more welcomed and comfortable 
a lot of other people of color would be more comfortable too. I think there would be a lot more respect, um, people taking responsibility, um, just, yeah, progress. Without valuing the diversity of perspective, of experience, no matter what language you speak or where you come from, you can't have innovation. That's what makes this country so amazing. It does matter that we are here because this is how, you know, shift happens. Thank you for being here. Community members gathered at St. James Catholic Church on Sunday, January 26th, for the 17th annual celebration of Abraham. Katrina Hawes has the story, which was co-produced by Caroline Chilcott. Event participants paused their discussion to enjoy a musical performance. The mission of the Celebration of Abraham is to create a welcoming tent for people of all faiths. It nurtures a sense of compassion, respect, appreciation, and understanding among the three Abrahamic traditions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, while still welcoming all to join. The president of the Celebration of Abraham, Helen Rowland, emphasizes the importance of interfaith dialogue in our community in the wake of the September 11th attacks. The people who organized Abraham didn't want to see the same kind of nasty discussions about other people's traditions that were happening nationally. We didn't want that reproduced here. When bad things happen, we need to be able to reach out across differences. And you can't do that if you don't have any knowledge of the other people. The event consisted of a variety of speakers and thoughtfully represented all three Abrahamic faiths. However, the main focus of the event was to facilitate a conversation on human dignity. Roundtables divided the attendees into small groups that engaged in empathetic discussions about each individual's beliefs surrounding the given topic. Pamela Dolan, a priest at St. Martin's Episcopal Church, explains the significance of Abraham in all three major faiths. The Jewish faith and the Christian faith and the Muslim faith all um, look to Abraham as an ancestor that connects all of us and that we look back to his example as somebody who was um, deeply connected to God. Iman Ismail is a practicing Muslim and finds interfaith dialogue to be an important part of her practice and identifies with the given topic of human dignity. Just really important in these times to, you know, just to be able to understand people, to actually get to know them. Because when you don't know people, it's easy to make assumptions about people. So it's really important to actually get to know people. Gregory Guess was raised in a Jewish household, however, does not describe himself as a practicing Jew in terms of religion, but feels connected to the Jewish culture. He has attended the event in the past and deeply enjoys the interfaith conversation. I very much like what the interfaith concept is trying to provide in this culture that we are all kind of, as I said earlier, kind of all kind of dealing and struggling with. Um, diversity, um, black and white thinking, right and wrong, and I think that we need to move beyond that. And the interfaith thinking and the um, is something that um, allows for all of us to have our differences and also come into common ground. For BlueDevilHub.com, this is Katrina Haas.
The news cycle is produced by the Blue Devil Hub in collaboration with the Davis Enterprise. Iris Harshaw is the producer. Dahlia Kraus is the assistant producer. And Daniel Ruiz Jimenez is the studio recording engineer. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Davis.